0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Dambusters would have done justice to a Mission Impossible plot, except it was real 1940s World War II. Thirty Canadians flew this incredible mission 75 years ago. I spoke with Ted Barris, the author of Dambusters, who this week received the RCAF NORAD trophy for his book. Listen. Ted Barris is with me. He's the author of uh, uh, many great Canadian military books, and his most recent is Dambusters. Now, last Thursday, at a ceremony in front of either the last Lancaster bomber, I think it's the last one in North America, uh, at the Canadian warplane Heritage in Hamilton, Mr. Barris received the RCAF NORAD trophy uh, for the work and research in writing Dambusters, where Canadian airmen participated in the secret raid against Nazi Germany. 30 forgotten Canadians flew this incredible World War II mission 75 years ago. Ted, thank you for coming on the show, and thus the plot of the Dambusters would have done justice to Mission Impossible.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Roy. It's it's very kind of you to have me on the program. Um, Sometimes these uh, presses, press releases that go out, uh, end up in the, the, the circular file, And I'm very glad and very um, uh, pleased that you found it important enough to call me back and acknowledge, not so much that it's a pat on my back, although it's very much that from the RCAF Association, but that it's a recognition that sometimes our history um, omits people and events that don't seem important 75 years later, unless you bring it Full circle and bring it into the the attention of Canadians the way I have tried to do with the book and it is very much one of those Mission Impossible scenes because you know I remember seeing Mission Impossible back in the old days on television and every episode was my gosh how did they do that my gosh that? I know and then and then whatever
0: whatever piece of equipment provided uh, I, I forget the name of the uh, forget the name of the actor and the character he played but the thing would self destruct in five seconds I. I haven't seen a recent Mission Impossible movie so I don't know if it still does but it but it, but it was remarkable uh, and and we paid such rapt attention to these to these programs and yet here is the story of the Dam Busters so and I thought when I got your when I got your news release I thought I have to talk to Ted because it's a wonderful it's a wonderful story of success and uh and and it it was necessary during the war and it involved Canadians so what was the what was the How did it come about, and what were the most challenging aspects of carrying it off?
1: Well, I'm just going to preface my answer to that to perhaps challenge you a little bit about calling it a success, because that has been debated for 75 years. Now I'll go back and try to explain for those who don't know what this damn buster raid was about, where it came from, and, and why it was so important. Those who are not acquainted with the Second World War history will not know that at In 1942-43, roughly halfway through the war, although obviously they didn't know it at the time, uh, the news was not good for the Allies, for Britain, for all of the British Commonwealth countries, including Canada, the United States. The war had gone south. It had really just not been very successful on all fronts, in the air, on the ground, at sea. The Battle of the Atlantic was questionably Uh, turning the tide, the battle on the ground in North Africa questionably turning. Clearly, the Nazis occupied all of Europe. And in the air, uh, at best, we were beginning to strike at some of the targets um, that had been established in in occupied France and Belgium and Holland, not in the distant uh, industrial heart of Germany. And that's that's where the Allies, in fact, a a wonderfully, incredibly uh, innovative, quirky scientist named Barnes-Wallace recognized the Nazis were most vulnerable where they least expected an attack in the industrial heartland of Nazi Germany was along the Ruhr river valley now why was the Ruhr river valley important because that's where all the factories were and the factories drew on hydroelectric power and the hydroelectric power came from massive rivers and the dams the reservoirs so barnes wallace comes up with this idea of attacking the dams in an out of off the wall kind of fashion um, because the, the Nazis had only protected the, the dams with what they called torpedo nets. If you can imagine on the water side, the reservoir side of each of these dams, and there were a dozen of them, but the three major ones were the Mona, the Eater, and the Sorpa. If you can imagine torpedo nets hanging from booms in the reservoirs, the Nazis figured that the only way they could be attacked is by torpedo. And so they lightly armed the the dams with guns and so on, and expected that the torpedo nets would do the job. So Barnes-Wallace comes up with this idea of using the brand-new Lancaster bombers that were rolling off the assembly line in 1942 and were the only bombers with four engines that could carry 10,000 pounds, the weight of the bomb that would skip, in effect, across the top of the water to the reservoir wall and then sink on the water side and explode, that that might be the way to attack the dams. So... You've got the physics of it. You've got the design of it. Now he has to get the the software, the crews, who can actually deliver this. So if you can imagine, and many of us in in eastern Canada have seen the beautiful Lancaster that flies out of the Canadian Warplane Heritage Museum around uh, areas of Ontario on Remembrance Day, that beautiful four-engine bomber, um, they had 19 of them train, 19 crews, train at low level. Again, imagine that 15-ton Lancaster bomber traveling at 235 miles an hour, just above a 60-foot tree, all the way from England to Germany and back, five hours of flying to deliver these bombs. That's why it was so risky. That's why it was that's why it was such an incredible uh, a challenge. And that's why those men who flew that mission and dropped the bombs and managed to. Breach two of the dams and damage a third, should be recognized, including the 30 Canadians. So they selected these bomber
0: crews for this, for this mission. Specifically, these, these crews were selected for their skills, for their flying skills, and their, their, their demonstrated skills as, as bomber crews, correct?
1: Absolutely. Guy Gibson, who was the RAF wing commander of this, at first, mysterious squadron, it later became 617 Squadron, um, he's already a decorated pilot. He has been, he's done 174 operational flights in both Fighter Command and Bomber Command, and he's chosen by uh, Arthur Harris of Bomber Command to mastermind this whole thing in, in the sense that he's got to pick the right man to do the job, and so it's his job. And he chooses 133 airmen from across Bomber Command and looks at their records and says these men are the ones who can do this. They are the most experienced. They are the best at what they do, and 30 of them were Canadians.
0: And you know, I mean, so I get proud to just knowing that that we were so in, integrally or integrally, however they prefer the pronunciation in, involved. And i just looking at this the news release: the ruin inflicted on Germany, including 11 factories destroyed, 41 others severely damaged, is presented as evidence of the rate right success. Now, many of the crew also were were killed, and that's that that's sad. And uh, and it's you know, but it, that's the cost of 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 war. Um, and, and, Ted, just before we take the break, it was the planning for the mission. I remember seeing the original movie years ago in black and white. And uh, it was on, like, midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'd stayed up. and oh, I watched this. I was fascinated. And, and today I'm thinking what we could do with one moderately powerful smartphone today would have taken scientists and military experts weeks or months to evolve uh, a plan that they they eventually stuck with
1: this was this was the amazing part of this story is that there were at least a dozen or fifteen uh... moments in the lead up to the attack on the sixteenth and seventeenth of may nineteen forty three when the whole thing could have gone off the rails they had to find the right altitude to drop the bomb so that it didn't disintegrate when it hit the water because when you take that ten thousand pound weight and you throw it down at water from higher than sixty feet that's what happened it disintegrated if you drop the bomb from lower than sixty feet the plume splash of the bomb hitting the water could knock the tail off the plane and kill the crew it was that critical and all those little details had to be ironed out before they could go ahead with the raid and it was done in seven and a half weeks and here's the last thing i'll say before your break roy all of the crews including gibson including a man who was going to lead this squadron to the dams. They didn't know that the targets were the dams until just days before the operation. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: So the book is Dam Busters, Canadian Airmen and the Secret Raid against Nazi Germany, and it's by Ted Barris, my guest. And uh, you can get it on online, and you can also buy it at your favorite bookstore. Dam Busters, Canadian Airmen and the Secret Raid against Nazi Germany. When we come back, Ted, I'd just like to ask you for the time that we have left to just share with us the most significant um, moments in this whole operation that, that, that you recall and that struck you uh, particularly and that you, that you wrote about. The technological stuff that we have today. And then think about what they had 75 years ago in the middle of a, a World War they don't have any of the stuff that we have. They don't. I mean, the manual typewriter was not only the cutting edge of technology, it was the only technology. Ted Barris is with me. He's the author of just a fabulous book, Dam Busters, Canadian Airmen and the Secret Raid Against Nazi Germany. And uh, Ted received the, the uh, RCAF NORAD medal for the uh, for the book, this past week, the the, the Lancaster bomber in Hamilton—that's the only one in North America, right?
1: Well, there are a fair number of them, Roy, but none of them airworthy. Okay. Um, the only one that can fly is the one is uh, the one that flies out of Hamilton. Okay, um, there's a one other one that's nearly uh, airworthy in Nanton, south of Calgary, at the Bomber Command Museum of Canada. I should and that know that. One can taxi?
0: Okay, so that the, the only one that can fly is the one.
1: That's in Hamilton. Right, and now, there's one in Britain as well.
0: That's what I thought. There was another one in the UK. Yeah, in fact, when you they think of they a, had
1: a wonderful reunion a few years ago where they flew Vera, the one from Hamilton, over to Thumper. I remember that.
0: England. I remember that. It, um, somebody I know, I think, was on that. I'm trying to remember who it was, was on that flight or a part of the f- flight. Uh, not the whole thing. Right. But uh would have been just an incredible experience. How
1: many, how many Lancaster bombers were there uh, at the peak of the war? Any idea? Well, they didn't start manufacturing them until A.V. Row began in 1941-42, okay. um, and they began to roll off the lines and become available to Bomber Command um, in 1942. And that's they're the ones that they modified for the raid in 1943. In Canada, a Victory airline, Air uh, manufacturers were manufacturing the Lancasters beginning in 1943, and they went overseas in 44 and 45. Overall, there were several thousand of the Lancasters in the air, like the Halifaxes, the other bombers.
0: Now we have, there's just two of them flying. That's right. That's right. So what are the moments, the specifically Canadian moments, that we should know?
1: Well, one of the crews on the raid was piloted by a man named Joe McCarthy, no relation to the senator. Uh, Joe McCarthy was a, a New York-born um, uh, airman. He was actually smuggled into Canada because when he was training and interested in flying in combat, uh, the Americans were not in the war, and of course the Neutrality Act uh, prevented anybody in the United States participating or being seen to be aiding and abetting a warring party. So there was a wonderful plan, which I described in the book, in which Joe McCarthy and thousands of other Americans were smuggled into Canada to become members of the RCAF. He pilots an aircraft on which are three other Canadians, a guy named Bill Radcliffe. He was the flight engineer. He's the guy sitting next to Joe in the cockpit, monitoring the Merlin engines, the same way you would, on, with your right foot, accelerate and decelerate with on the accelerator. He was handling the Merlin engines. And his uh, navigator a guy from Toronto n- named Don McLean, a former teacher, hockey player, and he's a brilliant, brilliant navigator, and the and the rear gunner from Sioux Saint Marie's guy named Dave Roger. These guys trained, as all the crews did, for seven and a half weeks, low level flying all over England, over water, over land, not knowing ultimately until the 16th, the night uh, they actually flew off to do the damage to the dams, that the targets were the dams. And in all this magical training, uh, they had forgotten to deal with one very important point, and it nearly killed them. And that was that. In every bomber, there's enough steel to have an impact on a compass. You know, the, the steel that would just spin the compass a little right. bit off the true north. Right. When they had delivered their bomb over the Sorpa, uh, in, the, in the transition of one aircraft to another, they had taken the wrong, they had the wrong readings for the impact that the um, steel in the aircraft would have on the compasses. And returning, they nearly flew in an, into an industrial area around the city of Hom, which would have meant their death as a consequence, they had to recalculate like a GPS, only it's Don McLean who's doing it on the, on the fly, at 100 feet off the ground, as <laughs> Joe is keeping the aircraft in a circuit to do the recalculations. He manages to find uh, the new calculations to get them home, avoid the city, and make their way across Germany and Holland, but in the process, they're hit. They get a shot through uh, the right landing gear, through the wing and into the Astrodome, Hot shrapnel pouring down on poor Don McLean, the navigator's navigation table, and what it means is that they have no landing gear on the right side of the aircraft to bring the aircraft down when they get back to Scampton, and that means that McCarthy's got to bring the end the aircraft now, you know, 15-ton aircraft flying at 200 miles an hour in on one. Wheel. Oh
0: my God! And
1: and miraculously, you you talk to any of the pilots whom are you who are your associates, and they'll tell you how difficult it is to land a Cessna, <laughs> <much> <laughs> on alone a Lancaster. Yeah. But wow. imagine doing all that flying in the dark, no lights, yeah. using dead reckoning, yeah. which the navigators did, and managing to survive. Ted, uh, getting home.
0: Thank you so much for joining us and sharing the uh, the the story of the Dam Busters and thank you for preserving Canada's military history for us. And the book is "Dam Busters, Canadian Airmen and the Secret Raid Against Nazi Germany. Great talking to you, and I hope we can do it again soon. Anytime, Roy. Thank you. Thank you, Ted Barris. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.